Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Susie Ahn, in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is WBEZ's Weekly News Recap. Each week on The Recap, our panel takes you inside the biggest local and state stories of the past week. Stories like Chicago moving closer to normal. Our city and our vibrant businesses, venues, and neighborhoods are open and ready to welcome folks back. Iconic events and trade shows make a comeback. Finally, the return of our beloved Chicago Auto Show. Oh, we're really excited to reopen the gates for Ravinia. And more Americans out and about. That travel boom experts have been predicting is here, and it's not even summer yet. A record number of people are driving and flying places. Joining us today on The Recap, Chicago Sun-Times columnist and ABC7 political analyst Laura Washington. And for the first time, the editor of Crane Chicago Business and Wire. Laura, let me start with you. It seems like we're winning the war on COVID-19, at least in our area. Update us on the latest coming from Governor Pritzker. Restrictions are going to, are going to loosen up next week, May 14th. Things are going to be much more open. The capacities of events are going to be much, much greater. And then by June 11th, he's saying that, you know, things are going to be back to us as normal as we've seen in over a year in, in the sense that um, there will no, no longer be any major COVID-related restrictions. Well, major caveat is we can't be so sure about this virus and where it's going to go. And if there is a spike, if it turns out there are additional variants uh, begin to wreak more havoc, he may have to pull back. But that is the plan right now. Mm-hmm. Well, earlier this week, the governor also announced the auto show was returning to uh, McCormick Place in July. And talk about the significance of this big step. Well, I think it's going to be a test case for everything that Laura just described in terms of, you know, whether or not Chicago is ready to host a major event like this without contributing to a dreaded spike. The plan is to uh, have the show on July 15th through the 19th, and they are taking some steps and precautions to try to contain the the uh, potential danger. They're only going to hold this in the West building of the McCormick Place complex. They're also going to take advantage of a new outdoor space on Indiana Avenue. They'll be doing other things like requiring masks, of course. Um, But one interesting step is they're saying that they're only going to have about 10,000 people in the facility at one time. So attendees can come only during a select time window indicated on their ticket. But if it works out, it could be a model for other big shows, not just in Chicago, but throughout the U.S. And this means a lot to municipalities nationwide. Trade shows had an economic impact of $101 billion nationwide in 2019. And that figure plummeted to $24 billion last year. So there's a lot on the line if this works. Yeah, definitely. Conventions, shows, big money for Chicago and travel. Uh, Well, Laura, Mayor Lightfoot also announced this week that she wants Chicago fully reopened by July 4th. What do you think this summer is going to look like in the city? It will look a lot more normal than it did last summer. There are going to be a number of events, outdoor events, festivals uh, that have already been announced. The Grand Park Music Festival, Ravinia are going to return. I live in the Lakeview neighborhood, and I'm excited to hear that the market days, Mm -hmm. the the iconic uh, a uh, long-time festival that happens on North Halsey Street is going to happen later in the summer than normal. 
the Old Town Art Fair. So some public events are going on as scheduled at their normal time. Some events are being pushed back to later in the summer. Not everything has been announced or decided. I think there's big questions about things like Lollapalooza, mm-hmm. of Chicago, and the mayor, the mayor has been asked about those festivals repeatedly, and she's basically saying, uh, more to come. Uh, we haven't we haven't closed off anything yet. So I expect in the next several weeks we're going to be hearing about even more events that are going to be resumed. Well, Ann, let's let's talk about how uh, what downtown will look like when the the city reopens. Um, you know, I, I know that at times during this past year it looked kind of like a, a ghost town. Um, are businesses and restaurants starting to open up a bit? It's starting to happen. We've been covering this week the news of several big employers downtown the most recent one being bmo harris telling their workers that they they want them back downtown uh and each are setting different uh time frames in which to do that um so you're starting to see already if you go to the loop um a a bit of a revival there's more activity this is all just anecdotal but i think once major employers start saying hey we see value in having everybody together collaborating in one space, it's going to really give the downtown a shot in the arm. (laughs) Sorry, no pun intended. Um, (laughs) But um, that's really what the downtown restaurateurs and retailers have been waiting for is some Mm -hmm. sign that uh, the office employers around them uh, will start bringing their people back. And that's starting to happen. Well, Laura, you know, some businesses, though, weren't able to to hold on. Um, The pandemic closed down some businesses for good. Uh, Remind us about some places that that just didn't make it through the pandemic. Oh, there's uh, there's a timeout has a a long, uh, sad list of all Mm -hmm. the bars and restaurants and that have had had to close up. Uh, Kiki's is one of my favorites that's, that's oh, gone. There's everything from the, you know some of the, from the hot dog places like Devil Dogs all the way up to uh, Everest. Uh, now some of these restaurants I think uh, were probably destined to go bye bye uh, mm-hmm. sooner rather than later. So I think in, in some cases COVID didn't do them in, but COVID might have accelerated yeah. the, the the activity. But I mean, Chicago is an internationally known city of restaurants. It's an ethnic city. It's a it's a it's a city of neighborhoods, and in every neighborhood you have jewels, and in in, all, in almost every neighborhood in the city you've you've, you've had some things, some places closed down. So. It's not good for the city, but we're resilient. And I, I've also also heard about a lot of new restaurants that are popping up, particularly mm-hmm. in the yes. Wicker Park, Logan Square area. So uh, we're not going to be we're not, we're not going to keep those restaurants down for long. Yeah. Well, well, Anne, let's talk about retail. I mean, you know, before the pandemic, malls weren't doing so great, uh, and people were already shifting to um, online shopping. But have our shopping habits changed for good because of the pandemic? I think that's uh, sort of the million dollar question, but I think we're starting to know the answer. And I think it's yes. The convenience factor of just being able to go online and press a few keystrokes and getting something delivered right to your doorstep is a habit that uh, is going to stay with us even when we're back to what we've, I guess we want to put in quotation marks, normal. And that's creating a lot of interesting challenges, especially for the owners of big suburban shopping centers um, that are taking a look at their space and asking themselves, is a mall surrounded by acres of parking really the best use of this land? And we're really watching a lot of uh, interesting redevelopment ideas that are popping up around the suburbs 
uh, that involve incorporating more residential, trying to create kind of little micro communities around some of these malls. Uh, I'm thinking of the Hawthorne Mall up in Vernon Hills as a good example. You know, so I think it's going to be a fascinating time to watch how the retail industry bounces back from, I mean, it was already challenged before COVID, let's face it. Amazon has been a major disruptor in that world. But, you know, there's opportunity for reinvention as well. Do you think we'll see a lot more of that pop-up shop activity? I think so. I think that there is still a recognition that despite what I just described of the, the ease of just like going on to Amazon and typing a few clicks and getting something, I think there's still a recognition in the retail world that some people just really like touching, seeing, feeling, smelling, whatever it is that they're thinking about buying. That's where the pop-up comes in. That's where there's still value in old brick and mortar real, real estate. So it'll be a mix. Let's turn to, to tourism here. You know, we've we've seen, of course, a dip everywhere. Mm-hmm. But for this summer, um, you know, are, are we going to see a big tourist season here in Chicago? Uh, Laura, I'll, I'll turn to you. There's hopeful signs to that because of the reasons we just described in terms of the return of the festivals in return of the downtown area. And, you know, and I think the retail piece is really crucial there. The, the tourists don't come just to, to have a good time in the restaurants and bars. They also come to shop. And and I'm concerned, particularly uh, Ann talks about the suburban malls, but I'm concerned about the mall, the big mall we have right here on, on, on North Michigan Avenue, Bartow mm-hmm. Place, which was a big destination, not just for locals, but for tourists. And as we know, uh, Macy's shut down there a few months ago, and there's a gaping hole on the first floor of that building. I mean, you could try to put a bunch of pop-up shops in that, right. in that in those six or seven floors of Macy's, but I don't think that that's a practical, workable solution. So tourism has got to be a front and center issue, and I know it's a front and center issue for the mayor because she talks about it all the time, but that's going to be key to turning the, the, the economic prospects of the city around. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Anne, what about the airlines? Um, what are they maybe predicting will come in, in terms of tourism and, and flying this summer? Uh, is, it, is it going to be back to normal? Well, this might give uh, the mayor a little bit of confidence in everything that Laura just talked about. United Airlines is betting that leisure travel will definitely rebound to pre-pandemic levels this summer. And that is a little earlier than we previously expected. It's a a huge advantage for United uh, and for this industry in general, because they were super hard hit by the pandemic. The next question is when business travel will, will recover. And that's a a harder question to answer for United. Uh, Biz travel is a a key pillar of United's revenue. The CEO kind of breaks it down into three chunks. He says their mix is basically one-third domestic leisure, one-third domestic business, and one-third international. That business travel segment may take a while to bounce back now that executives have discovered the utility of Zoom. Right. Um, and international travel really depends on the global response to the pandemic. So there are a lot of tricky variables there. That's Ann Dwyer, editor of Crane Chicago Business. Also with us is Laura Washington of the Chicago Sun-Times and ABC7. And Laura, we've got plenty more to cover. Stories like these. Federal judges struck down a national moratorium on evictions. It won't impact the current ban in Illinois. And that has renters relieved while landlords are concerned. It's a labor shortage at every level. It's not just housekeepers and bartenders and, and servers. 
there's a shortage of managers. First assistant Jennifer Coleman is resigning just five months into her tenure as Fox's second in command. COPA's chief administrator is resigning. Sidney Roberts was appointed to the Civilian Office of Police Accountability in 2018. They would use the hand signals. and It was fascinating. Got me interested in trading. And now they're closing all but one of the pits. Okay, Anne, we just heard a little bit of sound about the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. What was the big news this week? What was the big news this week? The old open outcry trading pits that once were, you know, such a colorful part of Chicago's business scene shut down in the wake of the onset of the pandemic. And now this week, CME Group announced that when life returns to normal in the loop, those pits will remain closed, uh, all of them except the euro dollar pit. And really, as the exchanges have transformed over several years to pretty much an all digital trading uh, world, it's really brought an end to a way of life that at one time provided a stepping stone to the middle class and even more than that for generations of Chicagoans. And, you know, it used to be that without much more than a high school degree and some chutzpah, you could make a very good living as a trader Mm -hmm. back in the day. And now that's gone. And this news has sparked a real wave of nostalgia. I mean, when we announced this news on Twitter a couple of days ago, there was just an outpouring of emotion from people who remember starting their careers there. And it's it's a way of life that's really going to be gone for good. Well, Laura, I want to I want to uh, come to another Chicago icon. Um, changes are coming uh, to the Thompson Center, which was officially put up for sale this week. Talk a little bit about that. Well, that's something that's been in the works, or at least it's been under discussion for for many years. It started under the Rauner administration, and 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 the reasons behind it is that the building has become, in many ways, not effective, not habitable. Even though it's the design of the design by Helmut Jan, the famous architect, has been praised from a design perspective, but from a from a practical perspective. It, it, it's been a problem in terms of the heating, in terms of the, the infrastructure of the building, and it's just not a practical place for the state government to work out of anymore. So Governor Prisker sees this as an opportunity to uh, to bring some badly needed funds to the state state coffers. So it was officially put up for sale and put out for bid uh, just this week. I think if they had actually acted on this impulse um, a little sooner, they might have gotten more. You know, demand for office space is questionable at best downtown right now. And the same goes for hotels and the same for retail, as we talked about earlier. So whoever steps up to buy this white elephant of a building is going to have a lot of negatives to grapple with. I think that the state will be lucky if they get even half of what I think they were initially saying they wanted to get 200 million. I don't know. That's painful. You know, as as the economy recovers from the pandemic, people are looking to hire workers, but they're finding it's not that easy. Um, I mean, employers are are even offering hiring bonuses for the first time ever. Uh, Talk a little bit about that. Sure. You know, businesses like hardware stores and restaurants are competing for talent with big box retailers like Home Depot and even with employers like Amazon who can pay for workers with entry level skills. And that is putting pressure on smaller scale operators to offer either signing bonuses and other types of incentives to attract workers as the economy opens up. I think another kind of underexplored storyline that I'm hoping to learn more about over time is that that contributes to this is what's happening to women in the workforce. 
first of all, I think it's been really devastating to a lot of women. In fact, in the lead into our conversation today, there was a report about uh, women's wages being negatively impacted by COVID. But I think that it's also forcing some reassessment, not just for women, but for people in general about what they want to do when the pandemic is over. And I think that some people may not re-enter the workforce, perhaps not quite as full-time as they might have, if they have that privilege to be able to afford to rethink their income. So I think there's just a lot of uncertainty and variables going on in the labor market right now that are going to be really fascinating to watch going forward. Definitely. I want to shift over to um, some some other big announcements from this week. Um, and, and I can't believe this actually happened earlier this week, but CPS CEO Janice Jackson announced her resignation. Laura, tell us what Jackson's departure means for CPS and, and any thoughts on who Mayor Lightfoot might put in that top spot. It couldn't come at a worse time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, she, the, the school system, as we all know, has been reeling um, not so much from internal problems, but from external problems that created by the pandemic. But it was, uh, Janice Jackson said it was it was time for her to leave. She's dedicated her her entire professional career to CPS, starting from the ground up and, and rising to the position of CEO. You know, it comes at a time when, when the schools are at a crossroads, and, we, and, the, and the biggest challenge is making sure that they can reopen safely in the fall. Uh, the mayor has her hands full. One of the challenges is keeping a, a, a good superintendent, a good CEO in place at CPS. Janice Jackson was the, was the sixth CEO at CPS in 10 years, and CPS needs some real stability. And the mayor has other jobs, many other jobs she has to fill. She's had a fair amount of turnover in her administration in the first two years. Uh, she says she's going to do a national search. Uh, she was asked that she and Janice Jackson were asked at the press conference where this announcement was made whether or not there were internal candidates. Uh, Janice Jackson says she believes that, that she's done a good, very good job of, of creating a, a rich environment for talent mm-hmm. and that there are many talented people in, within her administration. But this, hopefully that there will be someone in place by the fall, but certainly there won't be anyone in place by the time Jackson leaves in, in yeah. the end of June. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were other big uh, resignations um, this week. Um, in law enforcement, we, we saw both the state's attorney's office, uh, within the state's attorney's office and at the Civilian Office of Police Accountability. Um, Laura, give us the details there. Well, in the state's attorney's office said that the major resignation came out of the handling of the Adam Toledo shooting. State's attorney Kim Fox and her office have been heavily criticized for the way uh, they handled uh, their reporting in court and basically gave the impression that uh, Adam Toledo, a 13-year-old boy who was shot by a police officer, uh, shot to death by a police officer, was holding a gun at the time of the shooting, and a video that was released after that presentation was made in court showed that that was not the case. And out of that came the, re- the resignation of her own first assistant, Jennifer Coleman, who uh, she, she uh, Fox hasn't directly said this, but it appears that she is taking re- the blame and the responsibility for this mix-up in court. So that's that's one, one big resignation. And then, of course, at COPA, another really hot hot button, hot potato agency, uh, the Sidney uh, Roberts, who's, who'd been uh, running COPA for three years, suddenly decided to step down. And again, this is not great timing because COPA is in the middle of this Toledo investigation, mm-hmm. Anthony Alvarez investigation, and, and has been heavily criticized for not moving quickly enough on, on investigating police shootings and police cases of police abuse. Well, as we wrap up here, I want to ask uh, both of you what stories You'll be following in the coming days what we should be paying attention to. Um, Anne, I'll start with you. I'll go 
Well, it will be interested to see how this eviction ban plays out. You know, this uh, federal judge who blocked this national moratorium has said she'll only do it temporarily while the Biden administration makes a, its plea. So we'll be watching to see how tenant tenant advocates and community activists respond and also how landlords respond. They've been facing their share of struggles with the economic effects of COVID as well. So that'll be a big one. Mm-hmm. Laura? The COVID story continues to be number one. Uh, and I think that uh, the jury is still out on whether or not we're going to be able to reopen as quickly as the mayor and the governor suggest. Uh, just today, the latest statewide numbers on COVID have us back up at 3,300 uh, confirmed cases uh, since yep. yesterday and 36 deaths. And the governor was asked about this yesterday. When you see the numbers this high, especially deaths so high, still so high, are we moving too quickly? And his argument is that deaths are a lagging indicator mm-hmm. and that, you know, you expect the deaths to be high, even though the numbers or cases are going down. So mm-hmm. I think I'm going to be watching those numbers very carefully over the next weekend. If they don't start to come down significantly, I wondering if the mayor and, and the governor are going to have to pull back. And then what the ramifications of that pullback will be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, people, yeah. are, people are going to stop listening to me <laughs> at some point and just say, go for it. <laughs> right. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on all of that. That's it for the weekly news recap. I want to thank Chicago Sun-Times columnist Laura Washington and Ann Dwyer, editor of Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for stopping by to talk news and politics with me. And have a great weekend. And that's WBEZ's weekly news recap. Watch this feed for our latest COVID-19 Q&A with Dr. Mia Taramina. You'll see it as soon as you wake up Sunday morning. I'm Susie On in for Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening to the recap from the Reset Team and WBEZ Chicago. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.